Hello, and welcome to today's Tyler Technologies third quarter 2021 conference call. Your host for today's call is Lynn Moore, President and CEO of Tyler Technologies. At this time, all participants are in listen-only mode. Later, we will conduct a question and answer session, and instructions will follow at that time. And as a reminder, this conference is being recorded today, October 28, 2021. Lynn Moore, please go ahead. Thank you, Jason, and welcome to our call. With me today is Brian Miller, our Chief Financial Officer. First, I'd like for Brian to give the safe harbor statement. Next, I'll have some comments on our quarter, and then Brian will review the details of our results. I'll end with some additional comments, and then we'll take questions. Brian? Thanks, Lynn. During the course of this call, management may make statements that provide information other than historical information and may include projections concerning the company's future prospects, revenues, expenses, and profits. Such statements are considered forward-looking statements under the safe harbor provision of the Private Securities Litigation Reform Act of 1995 and are subject to certain risks and uncertainties which could cause actual results to differ materially from these projections. We would refer you to our Form 10-K and other SEC filings for more information on those risks. Please note that all growth comparisons we make on the call today will relate to the corresponding period of last year unless we specify otherwise. Lynn? Thanks, Brian. Our third quarter results were exceptionally strong, building on the momentum we established in the first half of the year. This was our first full quarter, including NIC's results, and it was our best quarter ever by most financial measures. We achieved new quarterly highs in revenues, non-GAAP EPS, free cash flow, adjusted EBITDA, bookings, and backlog. Total revenues grew 60.9%, with organic growth of 7.6%. As a result of the surge in the Delta variant, NIC's COVID-19-related revenues from Tour Health and pandemic unemployment initiatives were significantly above plan at $43.3 million. We had expected those revenues, which have relatively low margins, to wind down in the second half of the year, but we now expect they will continue into the first half of 2022. NIC's core revenues grew 5% in the quarter. Recurring revenues comprised over 80% of our quarterly revenues for the first time and were led by 183% growth in subscription revenues. Excluding NIC revenues, subscription revenue growth was robust at 23.9%, reflecting our accelerating shift to the cloud. We have now achieved greater than 20% subscription revenue growth in 55 of the last 63 quarters. Software licenses and services revenues grew 13.9%, or 2% excluding NIC. As expected, our margins compressed compared to last year's third quarter. Some expenses, like trade shows and employee health claims, as well as lower margin revenues, like billable travel, that declined in 2020 due to COVID pandemic, have begun to return this year. Margins were also impacted by the inclusion of NIC, and particularly by the continuation of their lower margin COVID initiative revenues. As a result, our non-GAAP operating margin declined 330 basis points, 25.3%. Excluding NIC's COVID initiative, re initiative revenues and related costs, our non-GAAP operating margin was 26.8%. Bookings reached a record high in the third quarter at approximately 601 million, more than double last year's third quarter. Excluding NIC, bookings grew 51.9%, with the biggest contributor being the $63 million renewal 
of our fixed-fee e-filing arrangement with the state of Illinois. We're very pleased to report early success this quarter with joint sales efforts between NIC and Tyler Solutions teams. We signed agreements with the Virginia Department of Housing and Community Development valued at approximately $24 million to provide a digital and call center solution for tenant, landlord, and third-party filing of rent relief program claims. We'll also provide administrative dashboards from our Socrata Data and Insight solutions, as well as payment processing capabilities. Our largest software deal of the quarter also came from NIC with $6.1 million SAS contract with the West Virginia Division of Motor Vehicles for Digital Titling. This new digital vehicle titling and registration management system will go beyond modernization and revolutionize how the DMV manages vehicles and interacts with businesses and citizens. In addition to the streamlining of nearly every vehicle-related process in place today, many legacy paper processes will be fully replaced with secure digital solutions. The solution utilizes technology to govern and secure the vehicle ownership process, adding security, reducing fraud, and providing the flexibility that other state DMV's operations are lacking. The arrangement, which leverages our state master agreement, has an initial term of five years. In addition to the SAS fees, the agreement will generate estimated transaction revenue of more than $3 million per year. I'd like to also highlight a few more significant deals signed this quarter. We signed appraisal services contracts with the Delaware counties of Newcastle and Kent. In addition, Newcastle County selected our IAS World appraisal solution under a SAS arrangement. The deals have a combined value of approximately $19 million. Coupled with the appraisal services contract signed last quarter with Sussex County, Tyler will now be performing a property reassessment for the entire state. Also for our IAS World property tax and appraisal solution, we signed SAS arrangements with the regional municipality of Wood Buffalo in Alberta, Canada, valued at approximately $3.1 million. Franklin County, Ohio, valued at approximately $3.5 million, and Summit County, Ohio, which also includes our data and insight solution, valued at approximately $2.9 million. Other major SAS deals included a $4.5 million contract with Arlington Heights, Illinois, for our ERP civic services and payment solutions, and a $3.4 million contract with Bayer County, Texas, for our Odyssey, soft code, and supervision justice solutions. Our largest perpetual license contract of the quarter was a $5.4 million contract to provide our MicroPact and Teletrack solution to manage COVID vaccination attestations for the U.S. Department of Justice. We also signed a $2.5 million on-premises license contract with the Commonwealth of the Northern Mariana Islands for our Munis ERP and Enterprise Asset Management, Executime, and Socrata Solutions. We also signed several significant contract renewals with existing clients, including extensions of NIC's state enterprise agreements with the states of Utah and Oklahoma, and a five-year renewal of our e-filing arrangement with the state of Illinois, which was expanded to include applications from our Socrata Data and Insights platform. On last quarter's call, we reported that NIC had been selected as one of two vendors to provide the internal revenue service with a digital payment processing solution that would allow taxpayers to securely pay their federal taxes, and that revenue under that contract was expected to begin in January of 2022. Following the award, 
three entities filed protests with the GAO. Prior to any ruling on the protest by the GAO, the IRS notified the GAO that it was canceling the two awards, including the award to NIC. While the IRS has not formally terminated NIC's contract, it has issued a stop work order under the contract. The IRS indicated that it will either amend the current solicitation, allowing all bidders to modify their previous submissions and then reevaluate the proposals, or terminate the existing solicitation and start the process over with a new procurement in the coming months. The IRS has not yet stated which of these options it will select, and we have no informa information regarding the potential timing of either option. Given these recent developments, we do not expect to recognize any revenue under the IRS award in 2022. While the specific concerns raised in the protests have not been made public and are not known by Tyler, the decision to cancel the award to NIC was not related to NIC's performance under the contract, its ability to successfully perform under the contract, or any allegations of misconduct or improper behavior by NIC. On the M&A front, we completed the acquisitions of Vend Engine and ARCS during the third quarter. Vend Engine is one of the fastest growing technology companies in North America, operating in more than 230 counties and 32 states. Its leading cloud-based platform provides a comprehensive suite of applications focused on the corrections market, including deposit technologies for commissary, ordering and warehouse management, and various informational electronic communications, security, accounting, and financial trust management components. ARCS is a cloud-based software platform which creates accessible technology to enable a modern-day police force that is fully transparent, accountable, and a trusted resource to the community it serves. The acquisition of ARCS allows Tyler to offer a full suite of public safety solutions, including ARCS Alert and ARCS Community, designed to maximize efficiency and safety for law enforcement officers while increasing transparency and trust building with communities. Bend Engine and ARCS have combined ARR of approximately $17.5 million, and their additions further strengthen Tyler's justice and public safety suites. Now, I'd like for Brian to provide more details on the results of the quarter. Thanks, Lynn. Yesterday, Tyler Technologies reported its results for the third quarter ended September 30th, 2021. In our earnings release, we have included non-GAAP measures that we believe facilitate understanding of our results and comparisons with peers in the software industry. A reconciliation of GAAP to non-GAAP measures is provided in our earnings release. We've also posted on the Investor Relations section of our website under the Financial Reports tab schedules with supplemental information provided on this call, including information about quarterly bookings, backlog, and recurring revenues. GAAP revenues for the quarter were $459.9 million, up 60.9%. Non-GAAP revenues were $460.6 million, up 61.1%. On an organic basis, GAAP and non-GAAP revenues grew 7.6% and 7.5% respectively. Software license revenues rose 13.7%. Subscription revenues rose 183.3%. Excluding the contribution from NIC, subscription revenues were still very strong, growing 23.9%. We added 144 new subscription-based arrangements and converted 67 existing on-premises clients, representing approximately $84 million in total contract value. In Q3 of last year, we added 114 new subscription-based arrangements and had 46 on-premises conversions, representing approximately $56 million 
in total contract value. Subscription contract value comprised approximately 74% of total new software contract value signed this quarter, compared to 47% in Q3 of last year, reflecting our ongoing shift to a cloud-first approach to sales. The value-weighted average term of new SaaS contracts this quarter was 3.4 years, compared to 4.3 years last year. Transaction-based revenues, which include NIC portal, payment processing, and e-filing revenues, and are included in subscriptions, were $171.2 million, up more than six-fold from last year. E-filing revenues reached a new high of $17.4 million, up 15%. Excluding NIC, Tyler's transaction-based revenues grew 24.3%. For the third quarter, our annualized non-GAAP total recurring revenue, or ARR, was approximately $1.5 billion, up 79.2%. Non-GAAP ARR for SaaS software arrangements for Q3 was approximately $330 million, up 24.7%. Transaction-based ARR was approximately $685 million, up 639% and non-GAAP maintenance ARR was flat at approximately $471 million. Our backlog at the end of the quarter was $1.77 billion, up 14.3%. Because the vast majority of NIC's revenues are transaction-based, their backlog at quarter end was only $27 million. Excluding the addition of NIC, Tyler's backlog grew 12.6%. As Lynn noted, our bookings in the quarter were very robust at $601 million, up 105.7%, and includes the transaction-based revenues of NIC. On an organic basis, bookings were strong at approximately $444 million, up 51.9%, fueled by the renewal of the State of Illinois fixed-fee e-filing arrangement of approximately $63 million, and the addition of the two Delaware appraisal deals totaling $19 million. For the trailing 12 months, bookings were approximately $1.6 billion, up 31.3%, and on an organic basis were approximately $1.4 billion, up 10.8%. Our software subscription bookings in the third quarter added $19 million in new annual recurring revenue. Cash from operations and free cash flow were both record highs for the third quarter, at $205.4 million and $192.8 million, respectively. Our balance sheet remains very strong. During the quarter, we repaid the outstanding balance of $65 million on our revolver and paid down $57.5 million on our term loans for a total debt reduction of $122.5 million. We ended the quarter with total outstanding debt of $1.428 billion and cash and investments of $348.4 million and net leverage of approximately 2.3 times trailing pro forma EBITDA. We expect the net leverage to be approximately two times by year end. We have raised our revenue and EPS guidance for the full year 2021 to reflect our strong year-to-date performance and our expectations for the fourth quarter. We expect 2021 total GAAP revenues will be between $1.577 billion and $1.597 billion dollars and non-GAAP total revenues will be between $1.580 billion and $1.6 billion. We expect total revenues will include approximately $72 million of COVID-related revenues from NIC's 
tour health, and pandemic unemployment services that are expected to wind down in the first half of 2022. We expect 2021 GAAP diluted EPS will be between $3.55 and $3.63 and may vary significantly due to the impact of stock incentive awards on the GAAP effective tax rate. We expect 2021 non-GAAP diluted EPS will be between $6.94 and $7.02. Other details of our guidance are included in our earnings release. Now I'd like to turn the call back over to Lynn. Thanks, Brian. I'm extremely pleased with our third quarter results, both from Tyler's core operations and from NIC in its first full quarter as part of Tyler. When we spoke to investors in June, we discussed four priorities around the NIC acquisition for 2021. First, don't mess up the business. Second, achieve our 2021 plans for both businesses. Third, retain NIC staff and establish the long-term leadership team. And fourth, identify and launch joint strategic initiatives and get our sales teams aligned. I'm happy to say we are executing on all of those objectives. Both businesses are executing at a high level and are exceeding our 2021 plans. The NIC team, under the leadership of Elizabeth Proudfit, is enthusiastic about the combination and the opportunities ahead with Tyler. And we've hit the ground running with teams actively working on integration and go-to-market strategies. We're showcasing Tyler products to NIC's entire state general manager team, and NIC's general managers are providing detailed reviews of the NIC state enterprise contracts and relationships for Tyler's team. We've also established a payments technology integration plan and are in the process of finalizing the joint Tyler-NIC payments organization. We've already had some early success in joint opportunities, such as our contract with the Colorado Department of Regulatory Agencies that includes NIC payment processing, Tyler's IntelliTrack regulatory solutions, and our Socrata Data and Insights platform, as well as the recent NIC contract with Virginia for a solution for the rent relief program, which also includes Tyler's Socrata applications. We have a current pipeline of more than 40 qualified sell-through opportunities with NIC state enterprise market across multiple Tyler solutions and have identified Tyler sales opportunities leveraging NIC state enterprise contracts to speed up the time from award to contract. We're also beginning to build our combined payments pipeline with early sales in Florida and Louisiana. We continue to see positive trends in public sector market activity. Indicators such as proposals, sales demonstrations, and pipelines are all up significantly from 2020 and are generally at or in some cases above, pre-COVID levels. Our, competitive, our competitiveness remains strong, as reflected by high win rates across our major applications. While not yet a significant factor, we're starting to see purchasing activity that is identified as being funded through the federal stimulus under the CARES Act and the American Rescue Plan. We expect that the $350 billion of aid to state and local governments and $167 billion of aid to schools under the American Rescue Plan Act will provide a significant measure of relief to budget pressures faced by many of our clients and prospects and potentially provide a tailwind over the next two to three years. A survey by the National Association of CIOs indicated that most state CIOs expect that remote work will continue and the need for digital services will increase. CIOs also said they plan to modernize legacy systems in the next two years with human services and public welfare 
labor and employment, and health services noted as priorities. Tyler is well positioned to help public sector leaders address those needs. We also remain on track with our R&D projects around our cloud initiative and with our progress toward hosting new SaaS implementations and on-premises conversions in AWS. Our cloud operation team is engaged in 2022 planning with a focus on continued product optimization, data center migration, and operations maturity. Finally, I want to welcome the newest member of Tyler's executive leadership team, Kevin Iwerson, who joined Tyler earlier this month as Chief Information Officer. Kevin is a seasoned IT leader with experience managing technology infrastructures for corporations, statewide judicial courts, statewide executive government agencies, and U.S. military organizations, most recently serving as CIO for the Idaho Judicial Branch. Kevin will work closely with our former CIO, Matt Berry, until Matt's retirement early next year. I'd also like to express our deep appreciation to Matt for his tremendous leadership of our IT and hosting organization over the last 11 years and wish him the best in his retirement. With that, we'd like to open up the line for Q&A. We will now begin the question and answer session. To ask a question, you may press star then one on your touchtone phone. If you're using a speakerphone, please pick up your handset before pressing the keys. To withdraw your question, please press star then two. Please limit yourself to one question and one follow-up. If you have further questions, you may re-enter the question queue. Our first question comes from Matt Van Vliet from BTIG. Please go ahead. Hey, good morning, guys. Thanks for taking the question, and nice job on the quarter. Um, I guess pertaining to the commentary that was in both the press release and you've uh, talked about this morning in terms of some of the stimulus funding finally sort of making its way into the market, wondering if you could give us um, some additional color in terms of you know, where you're seeing some of that um, coming through now, where are some of the, the newer sales activities uh, pertaining to, to jurisdictions that feel like they have more budget to spend and, and maybe are looking at nice-to-have types of projects, um, and anything you know, additionally around types of, uh, of products that they're most interested in in terms of using that funding? Thanks. Yeah, sure, Matt. Uh, it's a good question. Uh, it's something that we're, we're, we're starting to track a little bit more. Um, I'd say it, you're, you're seeing it really across a lot of our solutions, but I, I think we've seen a lot really on the enterprise side. Uh, we're seeing a little bit in schools, and, and we've seen some over on NIC. Um, I think right now if you look at Q3 and Q4, um, there, are, there are a few dozen deals out there that, that are certainly being spurred right now uh, through some of that federal stimulus spending, and, and I'd expect some of that to continue. Great, thanks. And, and then following up, I guess, on the, the exact sort of contribution of um, what the NIC business um, is, is looking like in, in the guidance for kind of the full year, what the contribution looks like, understanding that some of that was one time. But, um, Brian, if you could help us just kind of what the underlying uh, core business is, is contributing there and kind of what the growth continues to, to look like on a forward basis. Thanks. Yeah, so, you know, excluding NIC, um, the, the current guidance would um, have uh, Tyler's forecast, I guess the uh, – uh, midpoint of our guidance would be around the billion 224 of revenues, um, and that would be a, the, the midpoint around um, um, 
9.5% growth for the full year, and that would imply, again, at the midpoint of our guidance, around 11% growth for the core Tyler operations in the fourth quarter. Uh, and NIC, um, as we had discussed, the um, COVID-related initiative revenues have continued beyond um, when we thought even at the end of last quarter they would wind down. We had a the end of last quarter, our guidance had um, about $17 million for the um, second half of the year, and we did $43 million under those initiatives in Q3, and um, I expect the full year to be about $72 million, so about another $13 million or so in the fourth quarter, um, and some of that then continuing on into next year. But NIC's core growth, um, excluding those, core, those uh, COVID initiatives, was around 5% in the fourth quarter, I'm sorry, in the third quarter, um, and there is some seasonality in their fourth quarter um, core operations, um, particularly around the holidays, and um, some of the uh, transaction volumes tend to, to fall in the fourth quarter. So um, their uh, fourth quarter probably is, uh, well, there, our guidance reflects that in the fourth quarter numbers. All right, great. Thanks for all the color. appreciate taking the questions. The next question comes from Scott Berg from Needham and Company. Please go ahead. Hi, Lynn and Brian. Congrats on a, uh, a really good quarter here. I guess I got several uh, questions. Is um, bookings were quite strong in the quarter, especially excluding uh, NIC. Uh, Lynn, if we dissect those a little bit, how much of the bookings in the quarter are maybe catch-up deals that were pushed from, you know, the earlier stages of the pandemic just into the current period, or are you kind of seeing more of a return to a normalized uh, deal cadence here, which you've been enjoying for the last decade or so? Yeah, I, I think it's a combination of, of a couple things, Scott. Um, you know, we did have a couple of very large deals that we signed in the quarter, um, which obviously were absent in Q3. Q3 was difficult last year. Um, but I think, as I mentioned in my comments, um, when you look at the market activity, um, and, and what I've talked about over the last several quarters is, you know, over the last 18 months or so, the pandemic has sort of affected different parts of our of our business a little bit differently. Um, some were hit a little bit harder, and I and I think I've mentioned before that if you look at, for example, our mid to higher end financials, our Munis our Munis product, um, that was an area that was hit a little bit harder. And what you're seeing there, for example, is um, you're seeing awards and deals. Um, that are actually exceeding uh, pre-COVID levels. And I, I think that's a, the example of what you just mentioned, which is it's really the example that both pent-up activity um, as well as, I think, sort of validates some of the investments and some of the strategy that we've, we've been doing over the last couple of years. Excellent. Thanks. And then from a, uh, a follow-up perspective, Brian, on the guidance for the year, if I back out the added um, revenues expected from NIC, uh, it looks like your core Tyler guidance is roughly flat for the year. Um, how are you thinking about kind of deal mix around subscription versus license deals? Because the bookings were certainly strong. I guess I would have maybe expected a little bit more increase in, in kind of the core Tyler revenues, but that's probably related to maybe stronger uh, subscription, you know, bookings mix than maybe what you were previously expecting. Yeah, I'd say that's accurate. We're generally expecting um, the mix, to continue to trend towards um, an increasing percentage of SAS. Um, now, the fourth quarter, as you know, typically is a strong quarter for public safety, which still is primarily on-premises. And um, so that 
tempers that a bit, but that also was the case last year. Um, but, but in general, we expect a, an ongoing um, continuation of the trends we've seen where a higher percentage of the mix um, is SAS. Yeah, I think I'd add there, Scott, that it's, 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 the amount of SAS has actually you know, even exceeded our, our going into the year expectations. And, and while we expected the market to be moving this way, we've talked before, the pandemic has certainly accelerated that. And, um, you know, you look at, you look at areas, I'll mention Munis again. I mean, we're north of 85% of our deals are, are SAS now. Um, you look at our lower-end financials at ENCODE. Um, you know, north of 80%, where last year they were 50%. So there is some of that headwind. Um, I think as the model continues to play out, we'll, we'll get on the other side of that. Excellent. Thanks for the caller. Great quarter, guys. The next question comes from Ethan Brook from Wolf Research. Please go ahead. Hey, guys. That's, I think this is that's Alex here from, from Wolf. Um, so a couple questions for me. Uh, first, if, if we think about the um, – I wanted to ask about the maintenance revenue in the quarter. The maintenance revenue um, was, I think, a, a down a bit sequentially. Are you starting to see – is that conversion uh, activity starting to pick up a little bit, and how should we think about it uh, in, in Q4 and beyond, Lynn? Yeah, I think that's accurate. So each of the last couple of quarters have been new all-time highs for us. Um, in terms of the number of conversions. And, and certainly when you look back at the last four quarters, which all kind of filter into the, the maintenance growth, um, the last four quarters have, have well exceeded the, uh, the, the flips or conversions that we saw in the, the prior year. And, um, you know, just as the new business is shifting towards more SaaS, there's an increasing interest in on-prem customers uh, flipping. So that does have um, a... Um, a negative effect on maintenance, but generally the revenues that are going into the subscription side as they flip is about 2x what the maintenance was. So that's a component on the other side of, of the high growth in subscriptions. Um, and, um, and then you look at the mix of new business over the last year as it continues to shift towards more SaaS and, and less license, that has an effect on the growth as well. And then uh, the last thing is, is um, some uh, attrition around um, a legacy product um, at, uh, in the federal business um, where the, the federal government has mandated some states to move off of, of our product and onto a, a federal-provided product um, that's had um, a bit of an impact there as well. So, uh, but the flips, I'd say, are the, the biggest impact, those, those ongoing conversions, and that'll continue to be the case. And, and uh, at some point over the next couple of years, there'll likely be a significant acceleration in those as we um, have the ability to uh, um, accelerate that through moving those customers into AWS. Yeah, I think, Alex, too, I guess to summarize, if you look out over the next couple of years, you'll see that subscription revenue line continuing to grow at an increasing pace. Conversely, you'll see licenses contract, um, you know, proportionately, and, and maintenance will, will will probably continue to flatten out, as, as Brian mentioned, as as those annual increases start getting offset by flips, which our flips are up significantly year over year um, from last quarter. Perfect. And I, I guess um, maybe on the uh, NIC side, so as w w you talked a little bit about the increasing. Um, 
increasing synergy opportunities that that you're starting to 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 see in the base when should we think about like when we think about the that five percent growth that for for that core nsc business that you talked about is that something like how should we think about that trending uh or or is it it an acceleration that that is going to be uh you guys think is, is sustainable from from that level uh from here kind of x the the uh, the one-time revenues from COVID, uh, and then on the COVID uh, impact, is there any reason why we do think that they end uh, in the first half of next year, or are there any of those that actually have the potential to be more durable, uh, given the 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 variability of mandates? Yeah, I, I'll start with the last one. Um, I guess I would say, it would, as, on a personal note, I think I've said before, I, I would, I wouldn't be, I'd be happy if it ended. That means that COVID is is getting further in our rearview mirror. Um, it's our expectation. Their, their revenues right now are primarily out of three areas. Three areas. It's out of the state of South Carolina, where they're the the primary, uh, pr- doing the primary testing. Also, the state of Nevada, and then we've mentioned the Virginia uh, re- uh, unemployment relief stuff. Um, it, the expectation is, I mean, it, it is it is a little bit of a guess, but it's an educated guess, and we're assuming that that will wind down. Um, what's interesting about the South Carolina revenues is that we'll move from a from a contractor role to a subcontractor role. So while those revenues will still continue and eventually taper off, I think our margins on those will will uh, will increase. Um, I think what's important about the COVID initiative, though, is it really shows the ability of NIC's team to innovate, it shows their agility, and it also shows the relationships that they have with their, with their state enterprise contracts, that they could spin these things up quickly um, and create new solutions, and I think that's, that's what's exciting. Um, when you talk about, I think your first question was about growth rates going forward, um, you know, we're excited. Um, I, I, just, I can't tell you how excited the sales teams are as they meet, they get together. I think as we as we move forward, we talk about selling all other different products through the NIC sales channels, um, and conversely, uh, what we can bring to NIC. But you think about what with Tyler Payments, and you know we're already seeing a lot of our Socrata Data and Insights and Intellitrack platform, public safety and Civic and Munis. All those deals are in the pipeline, and I don't know that going forward we'll always be able to sort of segregate. Oh, these were NIC deals because these are Tyler products going through them. Um, we probably at some point won't continue to isolate the NIC revenue growth, but what we see overall with Tyler is as part of this acquisition and part of the underlying rationale is that we believe it will help drive uh, Tyler's overall revenue growth at a higher level than it would have on its own. That's super helpful. And then the last question I wanted to ask about the IRS contract, is there a way to uh, dimensionalize at least what the expectation may have been for that revenue stream in, in 22 uh, before uh, the cancellation of the agreement, and, and any thoughts for, for us in terms of how we should think about modeling that for next year? I'll start. By, I don't know if you have the number, but the the revenues in twenty the expected revenues in twenty twenty two we have a number. Brian will get it, but a little bit a little bit was uncertain because how fast we could get up and running, and and with the payments starting early in the year. The, the real revenue, I think, expansion was going to happen in the later years of the contract. Um, there, there were some significant revenues expected, um, and, it, and to be honest, it's my expectation that this, this that this procurement will come back out in the sometime this year. Uh, we'll, we'll bid it again, and, and for the reasons we won the first time, we should be extremely competitive going forward. Brian, do you have yeah, the number we, we had? Yeah, we talked about that um, last quarter when 
um, when we had gotten the award, and I believe the number was, um, you know, there were multiple providers, and I believe the number was um, 40 to um, 60 million in gross revenues, um, and something more, I think, in the five to six million dollar range on a net basis um, um, after uh, you know all the interchange fees. Um, but we currently expect that, well, we're virtually certain that there won't be any revenues in 2022, that uh, while the IRS works through this uh, procurement process, that the existing vendors will be held in for another year. So um, now those, those weren't in a, you know, those, none of those revenues have started already, so there was nothing in our, in our current base that goes away, but um, um, it's pretty clear that that won't be a 2022 impact at this point, um, and, and we'll see how fast the uh, the new procurement takes place. Got it. Thank you, guys. Congrats. The next question comes from Charlie Strauser from CJS Securities. Please go ahead. Hi. Good morning. Um, quick question for you. I know you don't like to give out formal, you know, 22 guidance until the next call, but maybe you have some early thoughts on, on, on to, you know, what you're thinking about for next year. Well, you're right, Charlie. We don't like to get out ahead of ourselves. Uh, we right now we are we are we are well into our 2022 planning. Um, there's a lot of there's a lot of variations, a lot of factors that go into that. Um, we're still in the early stages. Um, I'd say we're we're kind of on track with our normal planning process. I'd, I'd really expect to have better information later this year, um, and I think it's just a little too early right now to to go ahead and forecast 2022. That's fair, no problem. And then uh, just looking at the uh, the labor side, you know, a lot of companies having labor issues trying to find you know, qualified people. Um, I'm sure it's probably, you know, you're not immune to that as well. Maybe you know, talk a little bit about the the labor side, you know. Any difficulties you're having there uh, that causing wage inflation, et cetera? Thanks. Yeah, Charlie, I think that's a that's a that's a good point. It's uh, you know we're all reading in the news uh, what's going on across multiple industries. Um, the labor market is certainly evolving right now. Um, there's there's staffing pressures, there's wage pressures, and I'd say Tyler hasn't been immune to that. Um, I think there's still a, a little to figure out about how uh, how permanent this is versus how transitory it is. Um, you're seeing people uh, leaving careers for lifestyle changes. We call them sort of COVID casualties. Um, you're seeing uh, competition for, for wages and, and where people are now being more accepted to flexible work and work, work from home, that you're seeing uh, people come in and, and, and go into markets that they, they may not have traditionally tried to, to hire people from. And, and, and we're dealing with that as well. Um, you know, I think if you look across a lot of our business units, um, we're, we're staffed a little bit under plan. Um, our HR team and our recruiters are doing a really good job responding to this, um, working really hard. But but it is something that's it's top of mind. It's it's uh, something that we discuss at the executive level, and and you're right, Tyler has not been immune to it. And just you know, picking up on that a little bit more when you when you look at your current employment base, um, you know, are you still you know asking people to kind of you know, move back on site and into the offices you know this fall? Yeah, so we're on track to sort of – we've taken a phase-based approach, and we've taken a, a locally-based phase-based approach as, as the juris, each jurisdiction is a little bit different in the way they've handled it. Um, and so essentially we're, we're on track right now uh, to sort of come back to what we would call, um, you know, full back in the office at the first of the year. 
um, what that means is is probably not exactly what it meant uh, before COVID. Um, there will be a little bit more flexibility. Uh, that's part of the market today. Um, and so I'd expect some of that going forward. Great. Thank you very much. The next question comes from Rob Oliver from Baird. Please go ahead. Great. Thank you, guys. Good morning. Um, my question, uh, first question is, Lynn, on um, public safety, just wanted to dive into that a little bit. It sounds like uh, you guys are excited about the ARC deal in terms of the full suite of products that it gives you guys for police. Um, so I wanted to ask about that and, and whether we would expect that to be available uh, in in the bag of solutions for your public safety um, sales folks that are you know closing deals in the all-important Q4 here. And, and then just a broader question about what you guys are seeing and hearing from customers in public safety. I mean, it's really um, been a circuitous type of a year where you know we went from defund and now it seems like we're in fund environment and just curious what that means for you guys relative to the pipeline and your confidence levels on public safety into Q4. And then I had a quick follow-up. Yeah, thanks, Rob. That's a, that's a good question. ARCS is a, you know, we are excited about ARCS. It's, it's, it, was a, it was a relatively small acquisition. You know, and ARCS really, it's a, it's a database solution that, that really helps the chief of police, helps the command staff, helps supervisors. Um, really have more act insight in the activity of law the law enforcement that are on the job, um, helps with compliance issues, helps promote officer wellness by, you know, doing things like identifying stress, uh, risk mit mitigation, and, and you're right. Um, there has been sort of the talk around the public safety area in a lot of different areas and, and a lot of focus lately um, and has been on law enforcement reform. And this was, this was something that was missing in our product uh, suite. Um, ARCS is a company that's based in Detroit, which is close to our public safety office in Troy. Uh, they had been a partner of public safety in a number of deals. Uh, this solution had been sought out more and more, and, it, and you're right, it really rounds out our, 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 our portfolio of, of public safety solutions. I'd expect it to be something like we do a lot of acquisitions, that it's, it's something we're going to sell in our inside channels, and it's also going to become a differentiator in new deals. Um, you, you're seeing more and more uh, public safety entities looking for these types of solutions for the reasons uh, you just talked about. Um, when you talk about the funding for public safety, um, you know, I, I mentioned earlier that our different parts of our business were impacted differently, and, and public safety is I'm not suggesting it wasn't impacted, but it, it's, it's still going pretty good. Um, the, the number of license deals that it's got this year, their expected licenses are up over 35% year over year. Uh, the, we've talked a lot before about the investments we've made there and the, the number of deals that will be, you know, a million dollars plus in license will be, will be more than we've ever had before. Um, you know, I think the, the funding is there, the, the initiatives are there, and, and I, we've ma been making a lot of investments and, and we've done some acquisitions, uh, to, you know, around mobility and things like that, that that make us even more competitive. So I'm, I'm pretty still, I'm still very excited about uh, where we stand with public safety and, and where the future is for that. Great. I appreciate it. That's great color. Thanks, Lynn. And then just one follow-up. I know uh, Matt asked that first question about, um, you know, the, the stimulus funds, and, and, and you touched on that. But I just did want to follow up uh, just briefly because, you know, you guys said in both the press release and um, in your comments here that, you, you know, you, you're starting to see some uh, deals that are specifically related to that funding. And, and you mentioned, I think, the pipeline of, I think, a dozen spurred by fed, federal stim. J just, just curious what you're hearing from customers. Uh, you mentioned a uh, 
a, a pretty wide swath of, of, of Tyler products. And, and is, is, can we assume that, that 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 the bulk of Tyler's products would qualify and are available under that? And 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 you know, and then if not, uh, I think you mentioned kind of potential tailwind over many years. So are there two ways to think about this? Is it one way to think about it? Yes, federal stimulus dollars are going to be flowing to Tyler, clear positive. Another would be that, you know, budgets being shored up also creates opportunities for more confidence in spending. Or or, or is that kind of the right way to think about a couple different buckets? Appreciate it. Yeah, I'd say, and to clarify my comments earlier, if you look at the deals in Q3 and Q4, I'd say there's 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 probably a few dozen deals where they're being impacted. I'm not suggesting that they're being fully funded, but they are they maybe partial funding or, or, or part of the equation. Um, I think your comment is around confidence um, is something that I, I've touched on before, and, and I believe the, the confidence of having that that blanket behind them, along with generally what's been going on in the market, um, is, is 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 helpful for all the deals. Um, we are seeing uh, federal stimulus. When I talk about these few dozen deals, they are across different different products of Tyler. Um, I don't know that one would necessarily, necessarily single out more than others. Although there are some stimulus dollars that are specifically tied to schools. Um, so I think, you know, I think generally it's it's uh, it's a positive. Um, it's something that still a lot of our clients and prospective clients are there's there's still a lot of them still trying to figure out. You know, how do we access them? Which which dollars are actually there? And, and it's something that our, our marketing team, in conjunction with our sales teams, are putting together materials to help educate our clients and help help navigate them where we can. Um, but yeah, it's it's a tailwind. Um, you know, generally speaking, it's it's hard to quantify at this point. Um, but overall, I think it's it's part of our it's part of the the reason for optimism we have at Tyler. And the uh, the American Rescue Plan. Um, there's not much restrictions on what they can use it for, so I'd say generally almost anything Tyler um, has in our portfolios would be available uh, to be be purchased or or acquired through through the um, ARP funds, um, and they have until the end of 2024 to spend those funds. Um, and and the indications we have is that it's a very small percentage of those funds that have so far been spent or even allocated. Um, there's still a lot of uh, work going on in governments around determining how they're going to spend those, but but there, it's, uh, there's a lot of flexibility around what they can spend those on. Yeah, I think they're trying to route um, one or two school buses for our whole district. Uh, so uh, I, I, I asked those guys to give you guys a call, so hopefully you got that from here, from here in Connecticut. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. The next question comes from Kirk Mattern from Evercore ISI. Please go ahead. Uh, yeah, thanks very much, and congrats on a good quarter. Uh, Lynn, I was wondering if you could talk, or, or Brian, if you could talk about just sort of the bookings level for NIC on, on an organic basis. I, I know, obviously, the core Tyler uh, bookings were up a lot, but uh, NIC's growth is at 5%. Are, are, is the book ahead uh, of that rate right now? I, I realize there's some rev rec things that probably make that a little tricky, but but are you pleased with sort of the, 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 the bookings uh, trends in NIC right now? Because they're mostly transaction-based, their bookings and revenue are pretty aligned. Pretty aligned yeah, um, they have some software business, and they had a couple, you know, uh, nice deals uh, this quarter. You know, our, we mentioned our biggest software deal across Tyler um, came through NIC, but generally, uh, you know, the vast majority of their revenues are, are coming to transactions, and they're pretty much aligned. 
Um, they're pretty reliable. They, like I said, there's a little bit of seasonality. Um, so, you know, we saw higher growth last quarter, a little bit lower growth this quarter. Um, one of the areas um, that's been impacted in their business more um, by COVID is the driver history records, which is a significant part of their business, and, and the growth there um, is a little slow right now, but uh, expect those to rebound as things get back to normal. But um, offsetting that is that uh, transaction volumes are generally up, um, given that people are, are, are doing more uh, business digitally with uh, uh, state governments. So, uh, but, but generally those um, bookings and revenues would be pretty similar. Okay, that's helpful. Thanks, Brian. And then, Lynn, as you look ahead to 22, uh, you obviously have a much broader product portfolio at this point in time. What's sort of your temperature on, in terms of, you know, sort of focusing on what you have already, harmonizing technology, go to market versus doing any, you know, other deals? I know you did a couple of smaller tuck-ins this this quarter, but but you know, you have a huge product portfolio. I assume the focus is going to be on more just sort of, again, harmonizing the technology of what you have and, and go to market. Is that sort of the way we should be thinking about the strategy in the next year? So I think um, you're right. We do have a lot of initiatives going on. We we do have a lot larger uh, portfolio than we did even, you know, three, four, five years ago. Um, we are focused on, you know, we did just spend over $2 billion on NIC. We're, we're clearly focused on that. Um, we're also clearly focused on our, our cloud initiatives. Um, and things that we need to do to continue to optimize our products and, and do some things with our internal operations as we move there. Um, I've, I've talked before about how we approach M&A generally, and you know, we, we've done a little bit this year. And I think I, earlier uh, when we were talking about NIC, I said we, we may go back to a couple years ago where we, we have a little bit of deliberate pause. We did a, a couple other deals this year, you know, Vend Engine, um, Data Spec. Um, these were deals that were sort of in the works. Um, I think, though, as we go into next year, um, you know, we're going to remain opportunistic. Um, we're going to continue to look at deals. I, I continue to look at deals today. Um, I've been looking at deals over the last couple of months, even though while we still have all this activity going on. And, and when the right deal is out there, if it fits a need, um, whether it's small, medium, or large, um, we, we'll, we'll, we're definitely still in the position to execute on that, and I'd expect that we would. Okay, that's helpful. All right, I'll leave it there. Thanks, guys. The next question comes from Keith. Hosum from North Coast Research. Please go ahead. Good morning, guys, and I'll, I'll echo the, the quarter was great for you guys. Congratulations. Um, you know, going back to the NIC business and just revisiting the prior question, um, it seems like the driver history record for NIC has not been you know up to par since really COVID began. Is there anything structurally that perhaps has changed that the driver history records um, perhaps might not grow back to uh, the previous growth growth trajectory they had? I didn't quite hear the question. Oh, any, I don't. We're not aware of anything structurally or fundamentally that's changed around that. Um, we um, expect that those will rebound back to normal levels. Um, um, certainly, you know, the, there's no change in the way insurance companies are getting their information, um, but and there hasn't been any change in our pricing, um, or at least no negative change. And I know in some of our renewals, we've uh, been able to get increases in pricing. So um, don't think there's any fundamental change around the DHR side. Gotcha. Okay, appreciate it. And the uh, the length of your contracts, you know, obviously 3.4 years on the average quarter was very good. You know, and if I remember back to previous conversations, the idea was the shorter the time span, the more opportunity you have to raise, to raise prices on the contract renewals. Can you talk about the success you guys are having in terms of 
pricing changes as contracts are coming up, up for renewal? Yeah, I think in the last, uh, there hasn't really been a change through through COVID. We've been, uh, you know, generally in maintenance agreements, we've we've targeted kind of in the four to five percent annual increases, and on subscription renewals, um, targets are generally in that same range. Um, and as you said, shortening the initial terms um, because those revenues are straight lined over the term of the agreement gives us the opportunity to to realize the benefit of those increases sooner. Um, and um, you know, generally we're leading with shorter terms, and you know, this quarter um, had success with that. Um, you know, occasionally, particularly on some of the the large contracts, like um, I think back to the North Carolina. Um, courts and justice, um, we have a 10-year agreement, so that can bounce around a bit, but um, uh, we do prefer to have shorter agreements, and, and the pricing has, has been in line with, um, with what we've historically tried to achieve. Great, thanks. The next question comes from Jonathan Ho from William Blair and Company. Please go ahead. Hi, good morning. Congrats on the strong results. Um, I just wanted to maybe start out with uh, some additional color on the Vend Engine and uh, ARCS acquisitions that you've recently made and you know, just potentially understanding what the opportunity is to uh, upsell these types of opportunities um, uh, there. Yeah, sure, Jonathan. Um, you know, Vend Engine, uh, we're pretty excited about that acquisition. It was a little bit larger. We're excited about both. I didn't mean to, didn't mean to imply we weren't excited about ARCS. I, I think I just talked about ARCS a little bit. Um, but you know, for Vend Engine, you know, corrections and the corrections market for us was something that we've really seen as a significant growth opportunity. Uh, we've been investing in some in our core corrections product for some time. You know, it's a key part of our Tyler Alliance, which is our connected communities vision, and it's really sort of the the corrections area is sort of the crossover points between courts and public safety, and and it's probably the largest market in the justice white space that we, we didn't really have a leading product and. And, um, you know, inmate services is becoming increasingly important to that opportunity. There's more and more requirements and RFPs around there. Um, we had partnered with Vend Engine over, over the years in a number of deals, and, and they're really just a leader there. Um, you know, I, I expect that their, their revenue this year will be somewhere in the $20 million, all ARR, and it's been growing at 30-plus percent for the last few years. Um, I do think we have an opportunity to sell that into our existing client. Uh, base, but also it'll help us lead with our corrections and standalone deals. Um, so we're pretty excited about that deal. And similar with ARCS, I, I talked a little bit about four about the, the focus on law enforcement reform, and and that was a bit of a hole in our portfolio. Again, almost similar playbook. We had we had worked with them some, really liked them, really liked the product, good cultural fit, um, and we really think it, it'll round out our, our our portfolio. And and as you mentioned, selling back into our base. I mean. Our, our existing customer base is something I say all the time. It's our it's our greatest asset, and and the more solutions we have, the more that we can we can push through there and, and drive growth. Got it. And on that uh, multi-product sale point, can you uh, maybe give us a sense of um, how to better understand how you know some of these incremental products have been you know uplifting your deals? I think in the examples that you cited, you did mention uh, a number of multi-product opportunities. You know, what should we think about in terms of, you know, maybe net expansion rates or the ability to cross-sell more into the base over time as well as, you know, multi-product on new sales? Thank you. Yeah, you're, we're seeing it across all of our all our solutions. And when we talk about some of these smaller, quote, tuck-in deals, um, those are deals that, that actually 
uh, are really are being sold quite a bit now across our product lines. You know, you look at you look at public safety, for example. We, we've talked about deals where we sell either our core CAD or our core records, but it also includes things like Socrata. And, and you probably heard us mention data insights. Data insights is becoming a differentiator for us across many many product lines. Um, but we also talk about mobility and Brazos and Softcode and Mobilize. These are all products that were done in, through acquisitions in the last you know three, four, five years or so. Uh, you see it on the enterprise side. Uh, you know things like Executime, time and time and attendance management. Um, we've seen it in in the in the court space, and it is part of our overall strategy. And um, it, it makes us that much more competitive as we have uh, a wider range of, of solutions and a, sort of an enterprise suite as we as we compete against people who don't have such a diverse uh, set of solutions to fit the the client needs. Great, thank you. The next question comes from Peter Heckman from DA Davidson. Please go ahead. Hey, thanks for taking my call. I appreciate it. You know, it, I'm trying to figure out on just appraisal. I know it's not a big part of the business, but it seems like there have been some notable wins there. Do we expect a, a, a real step function change in the size of that appraisal business, or, or, or are other older contracts rolling off, and, and so appraisal should kind of continue to be a, a pretty consistent contributor? I'd say broadly it's pretty consistent. Uh, we have deals these projects often are, um, you know, multi-year projects, um, you know, sometimes two or three years, sometimes longer. Um, some of them are driven by legislated cycles in, in certain states like Indiana and Ohio that have regular cycles um, where we have um, what would be almost like recurring appraisal projects. Others are more one-off. Uh, these uh, three um, counties in Delaware that comprise all of Delaware that we're getting ready to start um, it was a court-ordered reappraisal, so sometimes um, the courts get involved um, when uh, uh, when it's determined that appraisals are out of date and uh, and maybe contributing to unfair distribution of taxes. So um, that's the case with these, and, and we're we're pretty uniquely positioned um, to be able to um, have a strong competitive position in those large deals, um, with those one-off kinds of deals. Um, they can be a little bit lumpy, um, and but I'd say we're we're generally in a, in a range. Um, we're probably on a more active period right now, uh, particularly coming out of COVID, where some of these projects may have been delayed. Um, but but I wouldn't say it'd be a step function where there's a, you know a, a big step up. Um, but but we're doing really well in that business right now. Okay, that's fair. And then just in thinking about. Um, the uh, NIC business and, and, and you know, you've announced some renewals of state contracts uh, that appear to be far ahead of, of their actual expiration date. And so you know, as you go through and, and start talking to these states, are you trying to uh, get them to renew early and, and or, uh, opt up for additional years? Uh, and, and just as regards that, you know, we certainly with the change in Texas and, and, and Deloitte kind of getting back into the market, how are you thinking about some of their, you know, more mid-sized uh, state renewals here over the next 18 months? Do you expect any changes in competitive dynamics, or is kind of your base case that, you know, a renewal with the ability to upsell some some additional Tyler applications? Yeah, I think as I would say, my outlook is uh, is pretty optimistic. Um, I'll talk about it, the Texas thing first. You know, our our, our payments business or their pay, the NIC payments business in Texas is one of our uh, strong uh, outperformers this quarter. When you talk about uh, we we mentioned Utah and we mentioned Oklahoma, these were early renewals. 
Um, and part of that actually, um, the reason for the early renewal was some of the excitement that's been generated uh, through NIC with the customer about what the combined entity of Tyler and NIC can bring. Um, we've talked about our connected communities vision. We've talked about the, the different products and offerings that we can bring. And I think the, both of these states were, were areas where they're, they're seeing that future and, and they, wanted to get, they wanted to go ahead and jump in early, um, which gives me optimism for what I think we'll see uh, going forward in the market. Okay, that's good to hear. That's all I have for now. Thanks. This concludes our question and answer session. I'd like to turn the conference back over to Lynn Moore for any closing remarks. Great. Thanks, Jason. And thanks, everybody, for joining us today. We hope you stay safe and healthy. And if you have any further questions, please feel free to contact Brian Miller or myself. Have a good day, everybody. The conference has now concluded. Thank you for attending today's presentation. You may now disconnect.